the best thing since sliced bread. So what did they do? Just eat an entire loaf of bread? Well, like, come have, on. have you ever tried slicing an actual loaf of bread? I suck at it. Exactly. It is so damn inconsistent. You try to make a sandwich, and you get one piece that's an inch and a half thick. You got the other one that's like paper thin. Next thing you know, mustard's getting in your hands, and it just ruins the sandwich experience. And I love sandwiches. <laughs> They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Curra, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Curra will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to episode 23 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. John Fraser and Travis Curra. Papa Fraser! Hey, thanks, buddy. Or, uh, you know, it works with the pizza chain. Papa John is a nickname I've already apparently adopted. So uh, I like that. Of course you would. You and I happen to love pizza and food as much as the next guy. (laughs) That's my biggest pet peeve when somebody says their pizza is not that good. Uh, There's no such thing as not that good pizza. I don't know. I've had I've had bad pizza before. I, I can't think of where specifically because my brain is now filled with all sorts of delusions of never sleeping again. But bad pizza is better than good salad, right? It's true. It, it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, mom and baby are home. They are doing well. How do you How do you feel, man? I feel like uh, it's like best moment of my life, man. When you see that little guy for the first time and he yeah. looks at you and he opens his eyes, you're just like, this is, this is cool. You quickly realize that, you know, life is no longer about yourself it's about you know my it's all about max now and you know and so happy to have him home and uh, mom and baby are healthy and he's sleeping in the living room right now uh, if he does cry we might get him to make his first podcast appearance <laughs> that's funny because you talk like that and i feel like an even bigger jerk <laughs> yeah, okay for the record i don't know if we i i know you've been talking about a, a best of episode but the moment you found out that i wasn't just being an arsehole uh that, that about about doing the pod that night uh might be one of the greatest moments in podcast history i'm like knowing you like See again to 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 put, peel back the curtain a little bit. Uh, you sent me a very angry reply to the to the t- to when I texted you. But the thing is, for anybody that doesn't know the two of us, I don't think outside of like me. Congr- By the way, congratulations on your big news this oh, week. Congratulations thanks, on getting man. engaged. Uh, <laughs> thanks, more more on that in a second. But what people don't know about the two of us is we rarely if ever send each other nice things it's no it's if people saw us out and about they would think that we're the worst of enemies oh oh absolutely people (laughs) would think oh who are who are who are these guys like they they must hate each other but they're hanging out i don't understand this concept so when you replied back with an angry bitter reply i'm like oh okay but but what had happened was that you sent the uh, text message in two separate parts. So I, I did. Yes, uh, I received the first part and I replied very quickly and I put the phone down and did not see the other part. 
So when I went back to read the text messages live on the podcast, I saw you- part two. <laughs> part two being the important part that explains why I wasn't going to be there. And again, it was me trying to get, like, I was trying to get a bit of a rise out of you by basically saying, like, And that's hey, why I did it in two parts. I know exactly, you did. <laughs> exactly. That's why, you know, I wanted you to see the first part and, like, have your blood boil. And then I sent the second part seconds after. But you probably were too busy slamming down the uh, the phone in anger and setting our relationship status to it's complicated on the podcast. But My if f- you have a chance, go back to last week and just, just have have a listen to to the moment you find out that and the funny thing is is Brazilian Ty knew. He knew. He did and he just let you burn which was hilarious. He let me throw myself under the bus. <laughs> My favorite part of that whole day is that you sent me a text message like I found out I'm going to be a dad. I got nominated for this really cool award and <laughs> My favorite part of the day is you finding out that uh, I'm not just being a jerk. <laughs> it, it genuinely was. Like, yeah, I was nominated. I, I didn't win it, but I was nominated for the uh, Saskatchewan and Lacrosse Association's Media Person of the Year. I do uh, cover the local Junior B team here. Also was one of the first to break the news that the Saskatchewan, uh, the Saskatchewan Rush were moving to Saskatoon. But, uh, yeah, and out of that whole day, I'm sitting there at the hospital and, and being able to listen to you going... Wait, what? What? Uh, was probably the best thing ever. And we did get a couple of requests saying that, hey, we should turn this into a Saskatchewan Rush podcast in the off season. But uh, I don't know if that'll happen. We did get a couple tweets regarding last week's episode. And uh, by the way, this one's going. I think that we might get some of the same. Uh, <laughs> Balineski, Joe tweeted me. I met him last week in Edmonton. He's such a nice, quiet, reserved guy in real life. Yep. Put that guy on Twitter, man. <laughs> I, isn't he like 182 tweets from retirement or something? <laughs> yeah, that's what he had said. So what number is he at? So if he makes it to that number, this nice even number, he's reti- retiring. He's nearing 50,000. Wow. So he tweeted last week, this week's two and out CFL episode should have been called The View with all the girly talk. <laughs> <laughs> and then last word on sports, uh, Kelly Bale ends up re- uh, re- replying, sidetracked is putting it nicely. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Joe and uh, and Kelly have uh, listened to the podcast before because they know sidetrack is like, we just call that an average episode. Yeah, that's that's our shtick. <laughs> that, that's, it's kind of what we do. There's some football talk sometimes. Yeah. Once, once in a while? And if you don't like the cut of our jib, I hope you spill a hot steaming cup of coffee in your crotch. That is aggressive. <laughs> that, whoa, like that is painful, man. Like here I was like, uh, well, then again, I was going to suggest they go sit on a carrot and wiggle. <laughs> is that angry elk worthy? Um, uh, maybe. <laughs> Let's we leave. are we are still rated as clean on iTunes, so maybe you should throw in some angry elk. And if anybody wants to know what was actually said, it is one of my favorite lines. Uh, they can DM me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also got engaged too. Uh, let's. I just totally want to reenact the proposal. I don't know if I told it on uh, last week's episode, 
Uh, but, uh, okay, so we will continue in. Uh, we're not see. We're not the view. We're the social right now. Yeah, we'll get to the news soon here. So we wh- promise. Okay, you know what? We will even. <laughs> how about this? This week's episode, when we tweet it out and everything, we will even go ahead and say, "Here's where the football talk starts." Good idea. Good idea. That's a, yeah. That's a solid idea because we're already at seven minutes of girly talk. Yes, <laughs> we so- are. I know. So how the day went is I wasn't planning on proposing that day. I had a I had a day set in my head, and uh, I'm like I can't wait anymore. I'm just doing it today. <laughs> so uh, I, I put my jeans in the wash, and Taylor's like, "Why are you getting your jeans ready?" Because let's face it, if you know me. I just wear like sweat shorts and greasy t-shirts all the time. So the only time I've ever seen you wear pants was at my wedding. Yeah, <laughs> and I've known you. I have known you since 2006, and I've seen you in not shorts or sweats once, and that was the day I got married, and you were in attendance, and I said you're not allowed to wear sweatpants because you asked, and I said no, you're not. <laughs> so I put jeans on and. I wore a shirt that she likes, and we went to Sylvan Lake. The sun was setting, and I'm kind of fiddling in my pocket. It was like Lord of the Rings, man. When you have that ring, it weighs on you. It's like Atlas holding I, up I know, the Earth. right? It's terrible. <laughs> I, I actually, what I did, was, and again, sorry to steal your thunder for two seconds, but when I got engaged, I actually gave... Uh, living in Sask, we were living in Lloyd Minster at the time, and I gave the ring to a friend of mine who lives in Rokenville, so it was That's that a far good away. That's a good idea. Because I, I'm like, I am not responsible enough to take care of this precious piece of metal or rock or Absolutely. all of the above. Whatever it is. <laughs> it's just way too much responsibility. So I'm like, here, you got to have it. So I get down on the knee and she said, you know what the first thing she says? I know Taylor, and I'm sure it's hilarious. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised whatsoever. So I try to get it out, and then I just start crying, and I can't oh. speak. And somebody drives by, honks the horn. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great scene, but despite my inability to speak, she still said yes, so uh, that is good. <laughs> well, applauso, uh, applauso to you. I almost feel like uh, we should end the uh, what's normally our monologue with some sort of like power ballad Ooh. for all for all the feels that have come out. Heaven isn't so far away. Let's play some warrant. Sure, let's do it up. <laughs> In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out Podcast. The longest open in Two and Out CFL history is in the books. I promise we will talk football for most of the rest of the episode. Well, now it's back into the usual combination of uh, football and nonsense. Uh, Now that we've talked about your engagement and uh, my son, Max, uh, if you skipped it, sorry, boom in the face. You just got personal. So at least 51% of the remaining, uh, however long we're going to talk here, is going to be 
uh, football. I do want to start. The Eskimos end up bringing in Nick Grigsby, I guess... Not really happy with Chad Simpson and uh, Shakir Bell, though uh, Bell has had some nice games lately. He has had, uh, he was shaken up real bad, though. He was, uh, yeah. Like, I haven't heard anything, uh, like, I just happen to see it. Again, uh, full disclosure, my CFL watching was a little limited. I was still in hospital this weekend with uh, with Lacey and Max, but I do remember seeing that in that game. And Shakir Bell, I remember watching him getting carted off the field thinking, you know what, this is not going to be good at all. Uh, it makes it obvious that you bring in Nick Grigsby. I mean, as far as guys with CFL experience who do have some upside, he's, you know, he's, he's quickly becoming the Michael Bishop of running backs. But he's good he just hasn't gotten a chance and i don't i don't understand has he lost a step that quickly from the when he led the league in rushing between winnipeg and hamilton is he just is he a basket case because i mean he's already this is a guy that two years ago led the cfl in rushing and is now on his third team already yeah it's a weird situation and he's not bad he's not a bad running back and and apparently, according to everybody you read of the Hamilton, you know, early this year, he'd gotten over the dressing room issues that had plagued him in Winnipeg. So uh, he seems to me, and again, I use the Michael Bishop term, you know, with with affection, that he's just he's just sitting around at home, ready to go. He's the next guy up, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what what he does in Edmonton uh, if we find out that uh, Bell's out long term. Yeah, Shakir Bell, he's had, it, it looks like, these ankle issues off and on. It seems like about once a game, he gets knocked down and he limps off the field. So it looks like finally the last straw got hit against Saskatchewan, and he, yeah, he was carted off the field. So I, I think Grigs, Grigsby's a better running back than Chad Simpson. I would I would agree. Chad Simpson really hasn't done much of anything at all this year, and if the Edmonton Eskimos were happy with him, he would have been the next man up. Instead, they were going to go ahead and give Nick Grigsby a shot, and uh, interesting to see what he does. Now, I don't know about you, John, now that you're a father, but me, I'm still a kid at heart, and I like to collect uh, trading cards. Now, the, the 2015 Upper Deck CFL cards are out. Uh, I love them last year. I haven't picked up a 2015 box yet, but on my desk I got a jersey card, Getzlaff, Lule, and uh, Sean White. So I'm excited to have these cards out. Did you ever collect these as a kid? Uh, I did with hockey cards. I used to, I, I think I was like 13 or 14, and I bought I spent basically every penny <laughs> of disposable income I had on, on hockey cards. I don't have anything ab- of value to show for it or anything, but uh, I like I like the fact that the CFL does have trading cards out there. It's a good, easy way to get some of the young fans involved, especially if you've got cool, cool things with jersey cards and stuff like that. And the thing that uh, was really impressive to me is that uh, it's upper deck jumping on, so it's not just you know, some somebody's doing it on the side, like a yeah, a, a, yeah. It, they're it's, quality it's legitimate. cards. Yeah, they are quality, and uh, I'm almost done my set from uh, last year. I need uh, Kyrie Bear and John Chick, so uh, hit me up and trade me. <laughs> All right, you know what sounds good. <laughs> so check those out. I wrote a piece about it. Uh, all the things you could get at CFLPass.ca. There's a Doug Flutie, a couple of those uh, floating around out there. That's pretty cool. Uh, coming up Friday, it is Argos and Lions. Is this the final Braley Bowl? It is the final Braley Bowl unless uh, the unfathomable happens and BC makes it to the Grey Cup. Yeah, and you know what? I think that's the last team that I would want to play if I'm Calgary or Edmonton. 
No, I, I, I think I don't know. I, I think Calgary and Edmonton is going to go out and wop, wipe the floor with the BC Lions. I just I don't see enough out of them. I, to me, their record's a little inflated by the fact that they've beaten up on Saskatchewan. They've got the job done against them. I mean, you could argue that for the entire West Division, but they have yet to. I haven't looked at that BC Lions team and gone, okay, they are better than Edmonton or Calgary. But they took Edmonton to overtime a couple weeks ago, and then a couple weeks before that, they led Edmonton until deep into the fourth quarter and now only lost by six so but this is this is an Edmonton team that to me has lost their way the past couple of weeks and that's um, funny to say because they've won seven in a row I know but the, none of them have been no. pretty wins they're winning games when Mike Riley is, is like throwing for 49 geez. yards <laughs> exactly like I, I can hit my putter 49 yards never mind you know try to throw a football that way like he's he's just looked off the entire Edmonton Eskimos looked off until that moment the minute they were down big to Saskatchewan is where we started seeing the real Edmonton Eskimos again so I take those those close games with a grain of salt again any team can beat anybody in the postseason but I don't think BC really is going to put a scare into either the top two teams in the west but I've been wrong before we have talked about it uh, but it, just the way I see it is the way Arsenal is going with Jennings. Uh, they're getting Rainey involved in the offense. They, they, they look like a dangerous team uh, right now. Actually, the CFL actually posted a really cool stat because earlier in the season, their defense was just terrible. In, in, in the first eight games, they were giving up 405 yards per game. In the last seven games, 333 yards per game, which is a lot down south. But up here, if you can hold your uh, opponent to under, you know, 340, that's not too bad. No, the defense has, has come around a, a bit. and They're starting to really kind of uh, find each other's way out there. I I still, I mean, we've said it from the get-go. I, I still don't think, I mean, they're in a position where uh, Winnipeg could have overtooken them last week as far as a playoff spot is concerned. Yep. But I just, I'm, I got to disagree with you, Trav. I just don't think, I just don't think that they're, they're that good of a football team. I think uh, they've won the games they're supposed to, but haven't really done a lot outside of that. Coming up uh, this weekend, uh, things will be very clear, or they could be even muddier regarding uh, the playoff situation. Now, the Argos, uh, we did talk about them, or we are talking about the Braley Bowl. They will be starting Ricky Ray this week, and they'll be sitting their leading receiver, Tory Gurley. He's getting benched. He leads them in yards, and he has 10 touchdowns on the season. I like this, though. I, I like what Scott Milanovic is doing here. He, he's a young guy. He's starting to get a little bit arrogant, a little bit cocky. And basically, he's saying, you are not bigger than the team. You go sit down in a game that, realistically, if they want to win the East Division, that they need to win. I like when I like when coaches don't let these guys run roughshod. You don't end up looking like the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he deserves to, to sit if he's been you know a bad influence on the sideline, especially on, on a team like the Argos that expects to contend. You know, you sit him down for a game, and maybe he learns some humility, and you need him more to be on his game heading towards the playoffs than you do right now in the regular season, in my humble opinion. These next two weeks could be the final two games at Rogers Center, not only this year, but maybe ever again. So hopefully the fans get out there and support that. But it's not the first time that uh, Milanovic has sat down a star receiver. Hazleton sat down earlier this season because of undisciplined penalties. So he's not taking any crap. 
No, and as a coach shouldn't. I mean, you can't let these guys, like I said, you don't want a Dallas Cowboys situation. Look what's going on down there with Greg yeah. Hardy right now. He's bigger than the team. He's slapping around special teams coordinators. Like, he's just, it's it kind of turned into a nightmare for Dallas, and who knows what would have happened if, you know, the Cowboys would have had the cojones to actually say, no, you're sitting down because of this. I'm glad to see that the Argos have that, especially, you know, a team that's working its way back to being respectable. I mean, they actually have home games again at their home and then heading forward into next year where they are going to have a brand new stadium and finally some money put into marketing and the whole nine yards and everything. So it's nice to see the Argos, you know, taking those steps towards respectability here again. What are your thoughts on uh, Ricky Ray getting the start? Does it scream of desperation to you? I don't think so. I think you need to see what you have in Ricky Ray. He's going to be a CFL Hall of Famer, and you have to see who's your best option going into the playoffs. Trevor Harris's emergence has been nice, but who would you rather have heading into a postseason elimination game? The Ricky Ray that we all know and love, or a young and unproven Trevor Harris? I know myself... I would go with Ricky Ray. If he shows well in the next game, next two games, I'm going with Ricky Ray all day. A veteran like him with tons of playoff experience with rings gives you the best chance of winning. You can figure out your quarterbacking situation for next year and years forward. I mean, Trevor Harris is a free agent after the year. Uh, You might want to hold on to Ricky Ray. He is one of the best ever and let Harris go someplace else that's going to pay him. It almost seems like the uh, magic has worn off. And Trevor Harris, too. But Brandon McDonald, uh, he used to play for the Red Blacks. Now he is a uh, stampeder. He was sending some tweets during uh, the game last week saying that Trevor Harris may be feeling the pressure of having that Hall of Fame quarterback on the sideline, you know, ready to go and healthy and ready to play. Well, yeah, and at least they're not like the Argos. Again, more credit to the Argos organization for handling this properly. It's not a guessing game. It's not like you're keeping anybody in the dark. You're going to Ricky Ray and saying, you are the starting quarterback. This is your team again. And worst case scenario, you're letting him show what he has left. If he shows well and you decide, you know what, what are you going to do if you keep Ricky Ray on the bench the entire year and then go to trade him in the offseason? Everybody's going to wonder, well, what does he have left? Does he have anything left in the tank? At least this way, at worst case, you're showcasing Ricky Ray. Best case, you see the Ricky Ray of old, and you bring him back for a playoff run. I do need to mention uh, the big uh, event in Winnipeg, Grey Cup Saturday. Uh, CFL fans fight cancer. They'll be at Garbanzo's Pizza Pub. Oh, Garbanzo's, for the record, some of the best pizza in Winnipeg. We eat eat there. I went over there when I was doing the Hilltops game uh, against the Winnipeg Rifles. I was there. A great venue. I so wish I could be in Winnipeg and be a part of this event. Yeah, Brian Warrishan from the BC Lions Den podcast kind of let everybody know in the podcast community. And if you're going to the Great Cup, this looks like a really cool event. It's supporting the Never Alone Foundation uh, in Winnipeg. It goes from 11 to 2, Great Cup Saturday. Uh, Chris Walby is going to be there. They're going to have a 50-50 specials raffle. Uh, CFL alumni are showing up because they've teamed up with the Alumni Association. Last year's event raised over $6,000 to fight cancer. So this looks like it'll be uh, a fun time. Any time that you can indulge and uh, raise money for charity... And at a place that makes awesome pizza. And realistically, it's it's going to be like Garbanzo's isn't a huge room. So you're going to have a chance to yeah. meet Chris Walby, really pick his brain. I, I know he's working for TSN there now uh, on their game day stuff with uh, Darren Bombing, a friend of mine. 
it uh, I would uh, again. This is the kind of event that I want to be a part of a Grey Cup. And let's face it, eleven to two, you're gonna want some greasy slices of pizza and some chicken wings on Grey <laughs> Cup Saturday. Uh, and it goes till two. You can still go do the rest of the parties. Make sure you go take part of this. And realistically, it's all going towards a great cause. And again, Garbanzas is awesome pizza. It is. And now. John, I do want to get a little bit of nonsense before we get to the expose here. I like nonsense. Do you play trivia crack? I did for a while. I got super addicted to it and actually had to uh, put it down because uh, I uh, I stopped doing work. <laughs> now, I was addicted to it, and now I, I just kind of play it casually kind of thing. Yeah. But I was answering questions the other day, and the question was... In Canada, what is a double-double? And I was like, two and out nation (laughs) is taking over trivia crack. We might be a year behind the the explosion of trivia crack, but we're on. uh, Wait, so so, like the actual sports, what is a double-double is on trivia crack? Well, the answer was coffee. Well, but hey, we were close enough. <laughs> At I, least maybe one of the answers will be, you know, an interception <laughs> and a sack in the same football game. Like literally in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, it's a CFL stat. Yeah. Why isn't it there? I almost <laughs> reported the question. I should have reported it. So if anybody plays trivia crack and you get that question, you report it because no longer <laughs> it's a double-double only coffee. Nope, it is now a stat as well. <laughs> it's official. Hopefully CFL.ca will get on that uh, by next season. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's make it happen. Come on, CFL.ca. Let's get to the expose. Time for the fantasy expose on the 2 and Out podcast. All right, John, you didn't get to watch any football because you were busy being a dad. Yeah, what the hell? Just sorry about that. You know, that the whole parental responsibility and a newborn and stuff. I did, full disclosure, I did watch uh, bits and pieces of the Riders and Winnipeg games. So uh, the other ones, you're going to have to kind of pl- play point here as far as the expose is concerned. No, the first couple games were absolute blowouts. Montreal looked like a different team. I, I don't know if this is... Uh, the thing of Toronto just being so uncomfortable and maybe, frankly, exhausted from traveling nonstop and never being able to actually have a true home game. Well, could you imagine, you know, your boss, could you imagine if Jeff all of a sudden came in and said, okay, Trav, um, today you have to do your show about an hour from your house, uh, and then next week you have to do the same thing again. Then we're going to go like three hours from your house, like, could you imagine the kind of wear or tear it would take on, on anybody? But to me, Montreal beating Toronto so handedly came down to Kevin Glenn being good Kevin Glenn instead of bad Kevin Glenn, which he had been against uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, 27-35, 294, three touchdowns, more like the numbers we saw beginning of the year for him. And as you mentioned, Ricky Ray proving that he's still Ricky Ray. 12-15, 107, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Trevor Harris, 11-14, 102, uh, does throw the interception. Brandon Whitaker, again, having another one of those games that he shows, hey, I'm still a thing. 14 for 70 yards. Uh, Brandon Rutley, 4 for 66 with a long of 50. Tyrell Sutton getting the majority of the carries. 10 for 49 and a touchdown. Uh, Receiving-wise, SJ keeps on SJing. Can we make that a verb? I like that. 
769. <laughs> the touchdown uh, catches were by Rutley, who had himself a game. Uh, both sides of the ball, 658 for a touchdown. Fred Stamps, 338 and a touchdown. Tyrell Sutton also adding a touchdown receiving. So he had a huge game for you, especially when we're into you know fantasy playoffs for most teams. Uh, Toronto, uh, no receiving touchdowns. Uh, Anthony Coombs leading the way, five grabs, 46 yards uh, in that one. Yeah, and essentially Montreal pitched the shutout. The only points they gave up was the safety that they gave up. So that defense is really coming on at the right time. And they've been coming on all season, but I think they've been on the field a lot. So they might be one of the most underrated units in the in the league. Well, remember at the beginning of the year, we were talking about how they seem to adjust to the CFL's new rules better than everybody. Yeah. I think the rest of the league caught up a little bit, but I still think, you know, they're, I mean, they've had some losses. I mean, Bear Woods goes down. He's one of the best players, you know, in, in the entire league. Uh, Venable's done an admirable job filling in, and that was highlighted by this game. Uh, seven tackles and a forced fumble. Now that John Bowman's out of the Higgins doghouse, six tackles, three sacks. Uh, Ricky Foley, really one of the few bright spots for the Argos, six tackles uh, and a sack there for uh, one of everybody's favorite players. It's just a guy that, has he become the new pinball a little bit? Like a guy that if you're a fan, you just can't bring yourself to hate? I think so. <laughs> like I, I know, like I, I, I hate it. Like when when I watch him play because he's so good and he beats up on my team. But yeah. honestly, I really, I, I, to me, I, I. I don't know a lot of guys like what he does for his fans. Like again, evidenced by when he came back to Saskatchewan, he just sat there and signed autographs, took pictures all night. That was really cool. Like he actually announced it on Twitter, and then everybody's waiting at the entrance, you know, by the the ticket office at Mosaic Stadium, and he looked like he signed everybody's autograph. I think he, I yeah, I think he did. I don't think he ended up uh, leaving till very late that night. That that's absolutely. Uh, amazing! I do love uh, to see that from him, and he's great on Twitter. Uh, oh yeah, he says whatever he wants. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Now, an interesting thing about the Montreal Alouettes—I didn't realize this—but Derek Taylor of Sports Center, he ended up uh, releasing uh, the average sack rate each offense is uh, going through. Now he had he had set the CFL wide average. But he hadn't ranked all the teams, so we tweeted him today. He ranked all the teams, but this is this is crazy. The Alouettes have actually given up the least sacks in the CFL, which yeah, I didn't it, know. And you don't know these things. And again, that's again that's why Derek Taylor, if you're a CFL or a numbers fan, is one of the absolute best on Twitter. Uh, we literally all we did we saw that average sacks. We fired him a tweet saying, hey, do you have all the teams ranked for sack rate? He came back literally five minutes later. Uh, Derek's a friend of the show, an all-around great guy, a guy I respect the hell out of, and a huge thank you to him for giving us some individual numbers. Uh, I had to tweet back with the, you the real MVP uh, <laughs> meme, to uh, to say the least. But yeah, Montreal, actually, it's uh, second uh, fewest sack rates, to correct you there uh, real quick, well, Travis. Well, I, I, I quoted the number of sacks, but they're second in sack rate rate in so sack the, rate yeah as they yeah. as far as giving up the fewest that like sack rate calgary gives up a sack on 5.4 percent of their passing attempts montreal is 5.7 ottawa bc at 5.9 edmonton at 6.6 and now you really jump here this one surprised me with how decent the argos and ticats yeah. have been this year 
Toronto gives up a sack 8% of the time, Hamilton 8.1, and no surprise here, your worst two teams in the CFL also give up the most sacks, Winnipeg 9.4, and Saskatchewan, former home of the best offensive line in football, 10% of the time they give up a sack. Again, they had Tino Sinceri back there for a while, so that inflated that, but you know. I thought those were interesting numbers because Derek crunched the numbers uh, right around Labor Day, and Calgary was sitting at about sixth. Yeah. And uh, they have really come into their own, and now they're back at the top of the league where they where everyone expects them to be. Yeah, oh, absolutely they are. And it's it's not surprising, as they've gotten healthier, that sack rate has improved through the year. And it's uh, to me, it's almost like looking at advanced stats. You know, they have a lot in hockey and baseball and things like that, but... It, to to me to watch like the fact that the worst two teams of the CFL have the worst sack rate, I'm not surprised at all by this. I'm uh, kind of surprised by Hamilton where they are, but I have to think when Caleros went down that there was a spike uh, <laughs> on sacks with uh, rookie Jeff Matthews maybe holding onto the ball a little too long as he gets used to playing at this level. Oh, absolutely. You are bang on uh, with that one. But still, like 8.1% is high. Maybe that, again, looking at advanced stats like I know you do in baseball, maybe that's a sign of a team that might be primed for an upset uh, come to uh, come playoff time. Now, the next game, I actually picked BC to win this game on uh, CFL Pick'em. CJ Gable made his return for the Ticats, but Jennings and the Lions really took Hamilton to school in this one. Yeah, it really did. Uh, let me just pull up the stats here. Jennings again. See, I and I had said this to Josh Smith, and he corrected me. I said, I want to see Jennings play a real team. And to me, Hamilton is still very much a real team. 23 of 33, 247, three touchdowns to an interception. Jeff Matthews, 22 of 32, 272 touchdowns, two picks. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it right now, Travis. The Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to regret not trading for Kevin Glenn. Especially when good Kevin shows up, because to me, Hamilton's a better team than Montreal is, and Montreal is the team that the East Division is really hoping either doesn't make it or crosses over. I think Kevin Glenn can have really good days. Uh, Andrew Harris uh, also continues his uh, his tear, 16-119, uh, two touchdowns. C.J. Gable comes back, like you mentioned, only 9 of 45. Luke Tasker, uh, 93 yards and a touchdown. Andy Fantuz also starting to get healthy at the right time, 51 yards and a touchdown. Sean Gore, Manny Arsenault, and Rainey all with the touchdown catches for the BC Lions. No, Hamilton got down early, so that might have changed uh, their play calling a bit here. But I quoted the stat last week on the pod that over the past three or four weeks, Hamilton has the most rushing attempts in the Canadian Football League, which is quite the change from early in the season. I think they they would have went without a running back if they could have. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Maybe just throw out another receiver uh, out there and uh, see what happens. Yeah, but now they're they're not doing that. I think they're trying to help out Matthews uh, a little bit more. But, yeah, you're right about the Kevin Glenn thing because he last week was different. I think he was only there for three days, so he kind of got thrown to the wolves. He's he's kind of, you know, settling in and things like that. And, again, that Hamilton defense is very good. So, But I do – I really think – that they're going to go ahead, and uh, I think they're going to regret not picking him up. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens with the playoffs here because they've got two critical games against Ottawa over the next two weeks that will decide first in the Eastern Division. Uh, They are basically tied uh, right now. The next game, all caps and blue golds. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Winnipeg, uh, just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. This was close, though. They almost had him. It was the ugliest game of football I've watched in my life between both those two teams. At one sequence, we went Winnipeg interception, Ottawa oh. interception, Winnipeg fumble, Ottawa fumble, all within six plays. This was disgusting. I don't. I think see, that was the second quarter. <laughs> I don't see high school football games that are this crappy. Like let's 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 be serious. Like that was just like Ottawa was a team playing not to get hurt because they know they're making the postseason. They know they're in a safe position. Winnipeg should have been a team that gives a damn. But again, this Winnipeg Blue Bomber team comes out, craps their drawers when they need to win in a big game at home against an Ottawa team that's basically saying, "Ah, we don't really need this one." Like it was an absolute joke. The Winnipeg to me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers, I don't know what is. There is some controversy in the game, too. Uh, Westerman, uh, the leading sack getter in, in the CFL, had a low hit on Burris. Burris was down for a while there. He ended up fi- finishing the game, throwing for over 400 yards. But it looked like the CFL was kind of reviewing uh, you know, if he deserved a fine or not. Doesn't look like it's going to come down. No, they looked at the tape to decide it didn't happen. The thing is, too, with Westerman is he's been essentially a very clean player the past uh, couple of years. Yeah. Again, uh, you have to avoid the low hits, but for all we know, he probably got a firm warning from the PA saying, hey, you know what, you haven't been a dirty player, don't have that reputation, just don't do that again. Henry Burris doesn't have his best yardage, like touchdowns-wise and turnover-wise, not his best game. Two uh, interceptions to a touchdown, but... He threw for 413 yards. To me, a very quiet 413, if there's such a thing. Yeah. Uh, Powell, 22-117 on the ground with a touchdown. Burris also ran in a score. Matt Nichols, like, I could, you know what? I could close my eyes and just tell you Matt Nichols' stat line. He's going to be 50% completion, under 300 yep. yards, with as many interceptions as he does touchdowns. Oh, wait, look at this. 17-26, 282, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, uh, I know I'm going to get blasted on Twitter again, but at this point, I, don't, I really don't give a damn. They, I was suck. Mis- they suck, and I'm beyond frustrated. How I'm- how in a nine-team <laughs> league, how the hell in a nine-team league do you make the playoffs once in five years? Explain that to me. The only reason you made it to the Grey Cup in 2011 is because Hamilton was too damn cold when they got to Winnipeg. Like, this organization has been a complete and utter gong show, and I'm surprised anybody shows up at Investors Group Field. Anybody. <laughs> If you know what, if they were still back at the old stadium, they would have had eight people at that game. They don't deserve. They don't deserve people to buy tickets till they get their <laughs> together. Now that is a rant. Thank you, and, 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 and uh, I, we have another angry elk uh, there. Uh, now tell me how I, you really feel. Um, I feel like everything's sunshines and roses in Winnipeg, and everything's going to get better. <laughs> God, they're terrible. I'm just. I'm so frustrated as a fan. Like, I talk to my father-in-law often about the dark days in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And it just seems very similar. Like, it just, it, like, and even, like, even Investors Group Field is one of the nicest facilities I've ever been to. And I've had the pleasure of calling a game in. And it still needs $35 million in renovations. How do you screw up a two-year-old stadium? Yeah, that part to me, man, they're going in those renovations in the offseason. It looks like they're, what are they, repairing the entire, like, upper deck concourse? 
I was told by a by, and again, it wasn't a great source, but when I was there, I was told that the concrete they used to construct large pieces of Investors Group Field wasn't rated for winter. What? That's again, I don't have that on good authority. I have that. That's kind of hearsay around the stadium. If I had it on a better source, I'd like to confidently say it. The person I was talking to said that's kind of the rumbling through town. You know, you coffee row talk, if you will. But you can see, like, I've been there. It's a beautiful, like, it's just like being on field level looks great. But when you get into the bowels of the stadium, which I've been, it, it has an older look to it. It's got some cracking. And again, I've been in the bowels of a lot of stadiums. I've been. You know, downstairs at McMahon. I've been downstairs at Mosaic, which that place is a good thing they're building a new one. That's and I've expected, been, and I, though. What's that? That's expected for well, a it's stadium expected because Mosaic is, is older than, like, Taylor yeah. Field was built when dirt was invented. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure Ronnie Lancaster <laughs> was out there chucking bombs when <laughs> when dirt was a thing. Was sliced bread around then? No, not yet. That came three years later. And the bombers were still crappy. I hate that saying. Like, the best things in sliced bread. So what did they do? Just eat an entire loaf of bread? Well, like, see, come have, on. have you ever tried slicing an actual loaf of bread? I suck at it. Exactly. It is so damn inconsistent. You try to make a sandwich, and you get one piece that's an inch and a half thick. You got the other one that's, like, paper thin. Next thing you know, mustard's getting on your hands, and it just ruins the sandwich experience. And I love sandwiches. <laughs> You know what? Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk about the rest of the good things on Ottawa because I'm done. I'm done talking about the bombers. Adams and Moore had Adams and Moore had touchdowns. Guess what? Cam Marshall, you did nothing. You had 20 yards. Adams, hey, great, congratulations. You make of the catch. Marshall, yeah, okay. Perhaps you should just move to being a full time receiver because you can't run the ball. Nick Moore, hey, thanks for showing up healthy for once. You had a touchdown catch. Clarence Denmark, where the hell have you been? Four for 47. Scott had a catch for 11 yards. Troy Studemeyer. You know you're getting desperate when you're getting your return specialist, who was a defensive back two years ago, involved in your offense. Guess what? There's a reason he's a defensive back. (laughs) Hey, look, Winnipeg fumbled the ball. Scott, you fumbled it. And Mo Leggett returned one. That was great. (laughs) Guess what else? Sergio, you missed an extra point. All right, were you actually Liram Haralahu in disguise? Because I think you might have (laughs) been. This is the greatest game Two for three on field goals, one for two on extra points. Couldn't even punt, return the damn ball. Studemeyer's <laughs> long was 17. Newman, for the record, I love Greg Newman. But seriously, Greg, five yards. Five. <laughs> Mo Leggett was a bright spot. I'll give him that. Hit a pick. Seven tackles. That was okay. No double-doubles anywhere to be found. Johnson with eight tackles. Khalil Bass. Okay, I like Khalil Bass and Ian Wild. You're you're off the you're off the poop list. That's that's it. That's about everybody. The the rest of you, Westerman. Okay, um, there's not a lot of guys. I think I'm, the uh, whole defense, to be fair, probably deserves a pass. Okay, the defense deserves a pass. You are absolutely correct. Let's see. Look, I'm not angry when I'm talking about the defense. <laughs> no, I, I do want to give. Uh, I think we all need to give. Props to William Powell. He makes his first CFL start last week. He gets two touchdowns in his first start. In this one, he gets another touchdown on 117 yards. So, man, that's a pretty good debut for uh, Ottawa. Well, you look at Ottawa's offensive line. They obviously know what the hell yeah. they're doing. 5.9 no injuries percent. either. 
Exactly. They've been healthy. They've been consistent. Henry Burris has been there all year. Uh, like, going back to Derek's uh, stat numbers or his sack percentage, 5.9% of the time, that's a sign of a good offensive line. Bradsonopoly, 8 for 120. Again, one of the few things I've gotten right this year was his emergence. Uh, Williams, 7 for 96. He had the lone touchdown catch. Greg Ellenson, another great signing there by the Red Blacks, 4 for 87. Uh, as far as the rest of Ottawa is uh, concerned, uh, three sacks by Justin Capacotti, Sean Lemon. Uh, he also comes up with a sack. Watch, like, Ottawa's a team to watch out for in the playoffs, man. Like, I just, like, I have I a think they could win the, the Grey Cup. Absolutely they could. They're, the East is not going to be that tough because Hamilton, because of the injury to Bad, Brad Sinopoli, they're still very much alive to end up with the, with the first round bye. Uh, basically, there's a good chance that this Sunday's game is going to decide it. That to, or they go back to back. I mean, yeah. realistically, those two games, that's going to be good watching. Uh, full disclosure, though, uh, don't watch the one on Saturday, November 7th. Uh, listen to me call the Canadian Bowl uh, between the BC champion Okanagan Sun and the Saskatoon Hilltops. Uh, here from Saskatoon, that's also on Saturday the 7th as uh, you, those two teams battle for Canadian Junior Football League title. Uh, there's my one plug. Uh, I'm done talking about this game. If you have anything to add, you can go ahead and add it. I'm just done. I'm not talking about the Bombers anymore. <laughs> And go ahead, beat me on Twitter. I don't care. I don't care that you can sit there and be a true fan because I'm allowed to be. I'm allowed at this point to be a bitter fan. Look at look at yourself in the mirror. Like they're not going to give you anything back. It's the famous line from the movie Fever Pitch: "The Winnipeg Blue Bombers don't owe you anything." The only way to send a message to this damn team is stop showing up, stop buying jerseys. Stop it until the product is actually something that can contend in a nine-team league. I wouldn't even <laughs> care if they fit, if they were five hundred and they missed the playoffs. I don't care if they played if they played hard and they played well. I wouldn't care. I'm done. <laughs> I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm beyond like at least you know you as a Ryder fan. They've been a gong show, but I can name several players on that roster that are going to be good CFL players. But and they also won a title two years ago. So well, that's it. You have my my philosophy is whenever your favorite team wins a championship within five years, you can't be that upset. I'm actually full disclosure. I'm a big Boston Red Sox guy. I've always loved the Red Sox. Yeah, they've been last place, but guess what? They won a World Series in 2013. I'm not really that upset. I jumped on the Blue Jays bandwagon this year. Go Blue Jays! Let's play ball. Winnipeg isn't won since 1990. 1990. I have a sister that has graduated college and has been in her field for at least four years and moved across the country since then. I, it, <laughs> like, we're going to go... It's a nine-team league. How do you have a championship drought, drought that long? How? You, you think you're going to get lucky at some point? Yeah, you, you think And, and the would've... only time they got lucky was in 2011, when we talked to Steve Morley about that. Then they, yep. then they, then they do things like they get rid of Steve... I, I thought he was still a good veteran player along the offensive line. Guess what? You give up a sack almost 10% of the time. You Your quarterbacks drop back 10 times. They're losing yards. Once out of every 10. And I, I, I don't recommend them not uh, supporting their team because, I, you know. But how, losing- how else do you fix it, Trev? How else do you fix it? There's nothing we can do as fans other than stop putting our dollars where our mouth is. You put but a good product. You put a good product. Winnipeg finishes at 500 next year. I'll buy a brand new jersey from the team store. 
support your team or not, I, I don't think if you stop going that it's just suddenly going to make them better. The message has to be sent that people are sick with this. And I think it's finally being done in Winnipeg. For me, like, I could see... I think you still got to go to the park. I think you still got to support your team. But if but, you don't want to buy one, any merchandise, it's one playoff appearance in five years. I'm not talking about a bad year. I'm not. That, that's it. Like I'm not talking about one bad year. If, if it was one bad year, yes, be a diehard, support your team. Still, you know, true blue all the way. Blah blah blah. All that good stuff. For one bad year, two bad years, a guy can accept. But where's the upside? There is no upside. There is none. Nothing's improving. The quarterbacks are getting murdered in the face. The offense can't do a damn thing. And this has been a three-year trend. The defense has been good. The defense has been very good. Put that Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense and any other team in the CFL, and I can tell you they're the best team in the league right now. Best team. I'm not even kidding. Brett Smith, the third stringer for the Riders, would be a better option at quarterback in Winnipeg right now. Now, for me, I... (laughs) I listened to the Eskimo Empire guys, and they had said that Matt Nichols is a better passer than Mike Riley. Now, hear me out. Now, I know that sounds crazy. I don't. I don't mind Matt Nichols. He just he can't, he'll he won't win you a game. He won't. He won't lose you a game, but he won't win you a game. He's a manager. Exactly. That's like I said. You can. I could rattle off. I don't even have to look at the stats. I barely watched this game again. I had other commitments. I didn't even have to look at the stats, and I can damn well tell you exactly what Nichols' stat line was. Near 50% completion, under 300 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. That's what he brings you. Expect that. And that's fine. That, that won't lose you football games. But in the fourth quarter, with Ottawa up, ball in his hands, no, it's not happening. And I, not- doesn't it just show you how good Drew Willie is? Don't you yes. think if yes. Drew was in there, then this is suddenly an all right team? Or does that just mask the issues? Drew Willie masks the issue. Drew Willie absolutely masked the issue. Because why does Drew Willie miss all this time? Because he gets... Like, look look at Winnipeg's quarterbacks. Drew Willie is back there. He's been he's missed significant time with injuries for two years. Because the line can't keep him safe. Because the team is not deep and not good enough. You look at Buck Pierce. Same thing. Buck was a great starting quarterback when he came over from BC. And I get it. Buck's play was a little reckless. That's how Buck was. He goes out because of an injury. Because the offensive line can't can't keep him safe and it bucks a little bit of a different case but you look and winnipeg's had the same problems for since 2007 they have 2007 was the last good blue bomber team the joe mack era has eviscerated this team and something has to be done i i honestly feel like things are turning the corner and next year you'll have but i'm sick of five and 12 i'm sick of i mean i'm just i'm sick of like at minus 2011, as a Blue Bomber fan, the last th- three, four weeks of the season haven't meant a damn thing to me since 2007. Yeah. It sucks. I mean, everybody, like, and, and again, people are going to slam me on Twitter. Oh, you're giving up. I'm not giving up on my team. I'm frustrated, and I have a venue to go ahead and say how frustrated I am. And if you're, and if you're not frustrated as a Bomber fan, what the hell, man? Like, how can you be happy with this? Like, you may express it in a different way than, than I do, and my way might be a bit extreme. I get that. That's fine. But how can you be content with with decades of ineptitude? Right? I get it. Everybody has ebbs and flows. Everybody does. Tell me the last time Calgary and Edmonton were this bad. Tell me the last time BC was this bad. This is a one-year blip for Saskatchewan. 
Hamilton was like this for years. They got to figure it out. There's light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't see it. Now, uh, and I will say this. You remember 2010 when the Bombers lost all all those close games? Yeah. This year, they lost to Calgary by two. They lost to Edmonton by one. And then they ended up losing this game by a touchdown. They lost to Ottawa last week by three points. I feel like a few plays here and there next year, they're fighting for 500. And I know that's not what... That shouldn't be the goal for anyone to finish five hundred. But the I goal think the, should. But be, there's not a there's not a blue bomber fan that wouldn't be happy with five hundred right now. Right, and I, I I can't see a situation where they're not fighting for eight or nine wins next season if they can if they can address their issues in a mighty hurry. Yeah, and uh, you know what they they could and uh, they have to add depth, and uh, that takes. And, and Kyle Walters has done a good job doing that, like. Rant, rant aside, Joe Mack is no longer there. It's just people say, to me, the biggest mistake they could make right now is gassing O'Shea and Kyle Walters. Because to me, at some point you need to say, we just are terrible and have been terrible for a long time. We need some continuity. And Westerman did say, please don't throw the management under the bus. Throw the players under yep. the, the bus. And as a Ryder fan, next year... I'd be happy with five to six wins, and then things get better. Shoot for 500 when the new stadium opens uh, the year after that. And I think Winnipeg is much of the same. You should be able to rebuild a CFL team in three years. Yep. Most teams and do. Most most teams do. Walters at- hasn't had three years. Exactly. Everybody's had three years, but again, the last good – the last team you could tell me, that last good Blue Bomber team – was 07. 2011, they won those close games. Then they gassed the coach when he had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And he's going to look, and to me, he's he, if the Riders don't hire Paul Lapolis, they're crazy next year. I think, yeah. he should be, I think he should be their head coach. Either way, that's a very long aside. Let's let's hammer through this last game of the week, the Riders and Eskies. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? Watching that game, Saskatchewan's up 21-3, to and I'm thinking... Oh my God! Yep. Uh, you know, Keith Price comes in. His first career pass is a touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. And I think he's the new pinball. That he's got the best smile in the CFL. Well, like, here's, he just... here's the thing with Keith Price that I I like a lot about him. And also, if you go to the CFL stats page, it's not up there. He was six for seven, seventy nine yards, and yeah. a touchdown. Um, he was the first guy in a while that we've seen have the opportunity in the CFL, a la Trevor Harris, to just sit and learn. He's and been you know pro- what? He's admitted a few times is like I'm not ready. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not ready. And most guys will never say that. I think. I think he's going to be good. I. You know what? If I see. And on the other hand, here, as a Ryder fan, me speaking to you, this is why I'd be more encouraged about my team than the mess in Winnipeg right now. I like Smith and Price, and I know they're going to have to choose. Exactly. You've got two good guys there. Yeah. Ryan Smith. There's another good guy. Naman Roosevelt looked pretty good. Along the offensive line, I thought Matt Vonk got some time. He looked good. Keenan McDougal at safety didn't look entirely out of place. Junior Murdile, I know he's gone hey. viral and he's being don't, benched. <laughs> don't mention that guy. <laughs> that is probably the most hilarious play I've seen. But outside of that massive brain fart, he had a pretty good game. You look along the defensive line. They decided to show off some of their Canadians. Timmy Agbaje. I know Timmy a little bit personally. I covered the Huskies. He's a great kid. I love the kid. 
Timmy, I thought, had a good game. So did Rory Connop. So did a lot of the guys along that defensive line. I see Monroe's young great. talent. I see young talent on this Ryder team. And the problem is, Krapinia, the new kicker, there's a young kicker. I just, I saw, like, Nick Dembski has been tremendous this year. You know, Jeff Knox Jr. is going to have 100 tackles. I get it. A large part of that is because is because the fact that they're on the the field a lot but look at look at let's look at the Saskatchewan defensive leaders in this game right now Tyree Hollins relatively young Macho Harris is getting up there I don't think he's back next year Jeff Knox Jr. is probably their most outstanding player and the rookie of the year candidate Matt Webster the guys are high on Keenan McDougal guys are high on there's guys there that I go I see them on the upside Nick Dembski uh, another guy there, Krapinia, the kicker. Uh, like you, we've mentioned the quarterbacks already. Price and Smith, by the way, Smith, 11 of 15, one touchdown. Uh, Anthony Allen looking good again, 9 for 68. Got to think he'll be back next year. Uh, Rob Bagg still has lots of miles left. Naman Roosevelt, 5 for 101 and a touchdown. And Ryan Smith, there's two, like, those are all relatively young players for Saskatchewan. And they're all. I like what Saskatchewan did. I like the fact that I, uh, that Saskatchewan basically said, we're toast. Let's look at all these guys. And they all got a chance to play and play some meaningful minutes. Uh, Edmonton-wise, Mike Riley looks like whatever was going on for those couple of weeks, he's got to figure back out. 29-39, three touchdowns to a pick. Shakir Bell led the way rushing-wise until he went down, 6-for-51. Adarius Bowman, monster game. 208 yards receiving and a touchdown. Walker, not on the pace he was earlier this year, 754 and a score. And Corey Watson, kind of coming out of nowhere a little bit, hasn't really stood out there. Uh, Three for 43 and one touchdown. One guy that has disappointed me, a guy I said I was high on to begin the year, was Nate Kuhorn, only three for 14 against the Ryder defense that really can't stop anybody these days. But again, Saskatchewan, I think all those guys will take a step forward, and I see them as a 500 team next year with a couple of smart additions. That's 406 yards for a Darius Bowman over the last two weeks. <laughs> He's figured. Well, I think people had to start respecting some of those other receivers. Yeah. And, and Bowman's getting himself open. Now, a little note on Jeff Knox here. Uh, he's 15 tackles away. He's got two weeks, so it very well is a good possibility it happens uh, from the CFL rookie defensive tackle record. He is the first rider to have 100 tackles since Jarrell Freeman. He's second in the league in tackles, and he's five tackles away from Jarrell Freeman's rider defensive tackle record. So, yeah, you know what? The rider defense has spent a lot of time uh, on the field despite their actually really good offense, but they might have found something in Jeff Knox Jr., yeah, again, bright spots for Saskatchewan. I, I, I think the, I think they'll be, I think they'll be okay starting next year. I mean, they've got the money to go ahead and fix any problem in Rider Nation. I will say that about uh, Junior Mertile. <laughs> that it's, play that's is, just a tough play. Like that is like that's a terrible play. I but, can't figure out what's going through his mind there, but that just sums up the Rider season. Now that's that's I tweeted that out and said, yeah, that's. Uh, that is the rider season right there. Uh, bad pass defense. <laughs> and then you mentioned the close game stat. Look at the riders. They've lost a lot of close ones. Yeah, they have. So, and uh, as far as Mertile goes, rem- remember a few weeks ago uh, when he had the blocked punt and he had uh, uh, the four tackles in that game too. So, you know what? I, I, I don't know. It's I'm not 
thinking at game speed here. I can hardly think when I'm uh, in slow motion. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what was going through his head. Maybe he thought that uh, the other defender had the tackle when he was trying to strip the ball. You'd think he would try to lay a licking on him, but... <laughs> young Young players make mistakes. And that's what it is. It just looks terrible. He's going to sit because of it. He's going to learn from it. I will say this about Nick Dembski. I would like to see him. I would like the Riders, and I know it may not be popular. uh, Chris Getzlaff should be shopped. I think he he will be. I I mean, he's a good Regina kid. um, But I think, yep, he's one guy I know was kind of on the fringe at training camp of maybe being shot, but he was a, a guy that Chamberlain was high on. They need Canadians to start someplace. Uh, he's, I think he's lost a step. He's no longer the marquee receiver he used to be, and uh, maybe somebody else is looking for him. But, I mean, I, I don't see him being the stud that he used to be anymore. It may sound weird, but I would rather see Dembski on the offense than returning kicks. And I know he had the punt return on Labor Day, and I do like that he, he he's straightforward right away instead of jumping side to side. And, oh, th- and he's always been like that, even dating back to his time in the CIS. I think there's more upside for him if he would be able to get into the offense. If any, uh, anybody that's – you know what, though? I think this was smart, though. Limiting him a little bit, just tell him, focus on specials, focus on making sure you're the best at that, and then go from there. I mean, Nick Dembski, I watched him in the CIS, and he's just a treat to watch. Expect him to take another leap forward next year, Ryder fans. Quick update on the 2 and Out CFL Podcast Fantasy League. Who do we owe donuts to? Is that settled yet? No, it's going to be the final coming up here, and it will be the Deflatriots against... Walby Pops. Ooh, I like it. So, uh, Walby Pops was, uh, of course, Blair. Uh, He actually stopped by because he made me the bet on Labor Day uh, that the Bombers would beat the Riders. So he he dropped off 50 Timbits, and he dropped off a double-double for me. Uh, And it was really cool. He actually said thank you for inviting me to the Fantasy League because it helps... Uh, me get to know the rest of the league. And I think that's the best thing about fantasy football, and I think that's the best thing about uh, these you know, upper deck cards that you don't know just the quarterback or whatever. Yeah. You get to know everyone in the league. So th- that was really cool of Blair to say that. He's a first-timer, and he's in the final. <laughs> Good for Blair. I mean, uh, yeah, let's hope. Uh, see, the cool thing is with Blair, you could actually hand-deliver Said Timbit. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a certain plus for that. Getting waxed from Brazilian Ty, and then we'll get to the picks. Hey, it's Brazilian Ty here once again with the Silky Smooth 5th edition of Getting Waxed here on the 2 and Out CFL podcast. Week 18 in the CFL brought us a mixed bag, to say the least. A milestone for Hank the Shank, a second quarter collapse in Regina, and two games that were over before beer sales stopped in the third quarter. The Argos found themselves down 22-0 in the second quarter of the Alouettes before scoring their only two points in the game when Montreal's Boris Beattie conceded the safety late in the second quarter. Two points. In a league where single points are given for missed field goals and punts that are sent through the end zone. Two points. That's all Toronto could come up with. Wait. They didn't even come up with them. Beattie conceded the safety. It's like me playing golf with my uncle and him giving me a stroke a hole. Really nothing to brag about. Honorable mention this week goes to the Miami Dolphins who moved to 2-0 under new head coach Dan Campbell and 3-3 on the year after a 44-26 drubbing of the Houston Texans. Doesn't sound so terrible until you look at the stats. Lamar Miller had 175 yards rushing on the ground on 14 attempts. 
with a touchdown. Jarvis Landry had 83 receiving yards with two TDs. And Ryan Tannehill threw for a modest 282 yards with four touchdowns. All in the first quarter. Not only were the Dolphins up 41-0 in halftime, let's be honest, Tannehill gets to go home to arguably the hottest wife in the NFL. Wait, I'm sure she has some tips on Brazilian waxes. You can find me on Twitter at BrazilianTai, but please just don't send me any Groupon links for Brazilian waxes in Winnipeg. I don't need any more. Remember to keep your wax hot and your strips clean. Now back to Travis and John on the 2 and Out podcast. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. <laughs> All right, Friday Night Football, uh, the finally, the final Braley Bull ever. It's Lions and Argos. Who do you got? I think uh, the Toronto Argonauts, led by Ricky Ray, are going to take this one pretty handedly. Uh, give me the Argos, and let's spin some poor young things, Trav. Hey, don't they uh, got a video out there, like, saying they're big pod listeners? Actually, yeah. I uh, I was part of a group fundraising effort for their latest release, Force of Nature. It's on iTunes right now. Great album from these transplanted Thunder Bay guys. Uh, go out, check it out. And they actually, part of, what you know, I pledged enough that you could get a, uh, a personalized video. And so, you know, they, they quickly put two and two together. That was a guy from the Two and Out podcast. So in my personalized video, they're saying, hey... We love uh, we love of some uh, some two and out uh, right in the video. So it was it was cool. A uh, huge thank you, to the poor young things. A uh, bunch of really good dudes, uh, podcast friends of the show, podcast listeners, blah blah blah, so on and uh, so forth. But uh, no, it was it was definitely appreciated from those guys. Know that we got uh, got some listeners that are music musicians. Uh, Travel and spin their latest single. It's called Animal. It's off a of Force of Nature, uh, which is uh, out on iTunes now. You can't Lions believer, so uh, I talked about it earlier in the show. I got to put my money where my mouth is. Uh, I'm going Lions over the Argos in this game. I don't care if it's at Rogers Center. Uh, I don't care that the Lions are traveling across uh, the country. Uh, I'm going Lions. Jennings, uh, back me up, please. You just don't care about nothing. <laughs> I don't care about anything. <laughs> Saturday, a game that I'll be at, actually through work, they got me some uh, free tickets uh, to sit in like the TELUS patio. Oh, very the, cool. Uh, uh, I've never seen a game from that perspective, so it'll it'll be cool to sit there. I guess you're allowed, if they you know kick a field goal or something, you can actually keep the ball. So, really? Uh, yeah, hopefully the rider defense is... Uh... <laughs> I would love to see you catch a, catch a field goal because I know I have a strange feeling that <laughs> if you catch it, you'll celebrate in a way that Derek Taylor will have to show it over on uh, SportsCenter. I'll be in the top ten! Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, him and friend of the show, Jamie Thomas from SportsCenter, maybe, uh, maybe he'll be all over the networks, buddy. 
<laughs> Couple injury notes for Calgary. Cornish will be missing. Charleston Hughes looks like he's going to miss this week and next week. He should be back for the playoffs. He's got uh, a broken hand, but I'm still going with uh, the Stampeders. Uh, Messam will be looking to uh, run all over his old team. Yeah, no disagreement here. It's 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 Calgary all over the Riders. What's our Calgary band? The uh, Dudes? Yeah, it is now officially the Dudes. Spin some dudes. Saturday, 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 Saturday night. I'm the Jets. We'll get back the team and look why they got back the team. Let's move on to Sunday. It is the first half of a home-and-home between the All-Caps and the Cats. This, I think, is... Oh, I think it could go either way. You still have the Tim Hortons field advantage. Uh, whether I, I know they've lost there a few times now, three times, but still, tough place to walk into. But you know what? I think uh, I think Ottawa, I, I'm going to take Henry Burris over Jeff Matthews. I said it earlier in this podcast that I really think the Tabbies are going to regret not going out and getting a replacement, a veteran replacement for Zach Caleros when they could. Um, so they're going to be filled, filled with shame and regret. Henry Burris is going to do well against his former team. I'm going to take uh, Ottawa in this one. So uh, fire up some Alanis Morissette. I agree with you, too. I'm going to choose Ottawa. It's going to be a close one, I think. Uh, yeah, Alanis, take it away. Second half of the Sunday doubleheader, Eskimos home to the Alouettes. This one is going to be a hard-hitting affair. The Esks want first, the Owls. Well, actually, at this point of the weekend, they might know their playoff fate. If the Lions win, that essentially that does uh, kick the Alouettes out of the playoffs. But in Edmonton, it's Santa's anonymous day. So bring uh, if you're in Edmonton, bring yourself a unwrapped toy to the game. You can donate that. And I think it's Fan Appreciation Day. So if uh, you got any unused tickets, you can bring it and use it uh, during the last game there uh, on Sunday. Last game of the regular season for Edmonton. You know what? The Eskimos really have things figured out. Uh, I, To me, if I'm the Eskimos, we've debated, you know, if they finish first, they could be sitting for three weeks. I think they're going to play all their top guns. They're going to go out and try to win this game and keep themselves in contention for first in the West. So, uh at the request of the Edmonton Eskimos, uh, you know, we, we want to be friends with Joe again. He's a big-time uh, Eskies, uh, he's a big-time uh, Eskies fan, and he uh, has already trashed us for talking about our personal lives too much, so <laughs> how about a little Edmonton Eskimos fight song? Uh, should we sing along, Trav? Okay, uh, let's, get, let's get up the lyrics here. <laughs> I, all I care about is the, we're going fight, 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 fight oh, oh, Eskimos. We're cheering, fight, 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 fight oh, Eskimos. Eskimos. And let's hope there's lots of touchdowns for high school football. <laughs> All right. So I think this game could go either way. I guess I'm just worried about Edmonton. 
It is a seven-game winning streak, but don't you think this is the ugliest seventh-game winning streak you've ever seen? Oh, absolutely it is. You are bang on with that one, Trav. Like, I, yeah, Who wins seven in a row when their quarterback <laughs> throws up at least three clunkers? I think they've got it figured out. Like I said, whatever is plaguing Mike Riley appears to be sorted out. Uh, yeah, I think Edmonton, again, because of the seven-game winning streak, it, despite how bad they've played, I think they're still going to play the top guns and easily uh, walk over the owls in this one. I'm choosing Edmonton, too. Even though Riley is sort of struggled at times, I think he still has that it factor. And that's yes. something you can't teach. When you're down uh, by three and there's a minute 50 to go, uh, I would be okay with him uh, leading your team because he will take a hit. He will run up the middle. He won't slide. He will get you those yards uh, to get that win. I think Edmonton uh, finishes first place. And then the West Final will get interesting because they've got three weeks off. I, I did talk to Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast. He did say that, and I asked him about that, and he ended up saying basically, that's a first half issue. Yeah. But if you end up down <laughs> three scores. Yeah, and th- and that's exactly it. How many times do you see teams that are rested come out slow? So. That'll yeah. make it interesting in Pickham, and that's why, again, I think Edmonton's going to play their big boys for the whole game here. Yeah, uh, Edmonton uh, for me as well. That does it. Episode uh, 23 of the 2 and Out CFL podcast. We're going to start putting together that best of episode right away. I want to go all the way back to episode one and see the guys that we supported and the guys that we hated and, uh, <laughs> and we'll see probably... how wrong we got it. <laughs> Yeah, who cares about what we got right? <laughs> no, I think I, I think we need two sections. I think things that we got right and things we got absolutely murdered in the face on. <laughs> so we'll put that out Grey Cup week. And then uh, Tyrell and I uh, will be in Winnipeg. So we'll record an episode uh, sometime in Winnipeg. Hopefully on uh, you know Friday when we can function still. So does that mean I fill in for getting waxed? Well, if Ty's filling in for me, I think it's only fair that you know I uh, I, I send you getting waxed from uh, from Saskatoon. I like that. <laughs> All right, I will <laughs> gladly handle it while you guys enjoy uh, Friday. I'll make it nice and long too, because I can't imagine you all will be too talkative at some points yeah, during Great Cup Week. Do it at least half an hour long. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's anything like that bomber rant tonight, then uh, you know we might be close. Yeah, so uh, if Ottawa wins out, the wax is happening because they will have uh, 12 wins on the season. That does it. Uh, We had a very harsh review last week on iTunes. We need some help. Yeah, go go say nice things about us because people apparently hate us. (laughs) (laughs) iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, Facebook, Twitter, 2 and out CFL. We'll talk to you next week.